Hello, this is Pastor John Edding. This reading from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20, has one of the clearest confessions of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. It happens at the end of Jesus' traveling section and right before his entry into Jerusalem, where we will understand what it means for him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, giving his life for all people. There's so much here that a preacher could preach from, but I chose to focus on the image of the gates of hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail against God's kingdom. This is a wonderful promise. What will last? The church. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There was once a man, now long deceased, who was driven mad by guilt. You see, he had stolen some money long before, and as he grew older, this weighed on him. He was a farmer, and his madness took the form of elaborate schemes to raise large sums of money. Now, I suppose so he could repay what he had stolen. Now, his family would sometimes find him lurking around the neighbor's cattle, muttering about buying them all and then, you know, turning some great profit. Some of it was almost humorous. If there was a sale on athletic socks at the local store, his wife would turn around and find that he had filled their cart with a great deal that would net some profit somewhere. Finally, not knowing what to do with their husband, with their father and brother, the family took him to a counselor in a nearby small town, neighboring town. A wise woman, a counselor, at last got him to reveal his long-held secret theft. You know, by now, the, the statute of limitations had passed years ago. There really was really no way to repay this debt. But the, the guilt, the guilt had gripped this man firmly, so firmly that he was nearly unhinged by the pressure it exerted on him. Now, this wise counselor realized that this man needed some specialized help, specialized care. And so she called his pastor, and the pastor heard his confession, absolved him of his sins, and in that speaking, Jesus freed him of his guilt. He died a happy man. And we can look forward to seeing him in heaven. It was a human voice that Jesus used that day, a word of forgiveness spoken by a sinful human being, just like all of us. But whatever you loose on earth, Jesus says, shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew 16, verse 19. You see, Jesus had made that pastor's voice a rock, a weapon, forged to break down hell's gate. You know, how, how many families suffer and are being 
destroyed because the because the pain and the injury caused by sin is left unintended in their homes. People suffer under a crushing weight of guilt with no one to lighten the load of with a forgiving word from Jesus. All of us are intimately uh, familiar with the damaging effects of sin in our lives and relationships, but we feel helpless to do anything. We need God's intervention. Perhaps we picture this as hell attacking us and our being able to withstand it. But the text is really the other way around. Gates are defensive. The church is on the offensive here. Hell's gates are are a useless defense against God because he plunders, he rescues another of hell's victims and its gates are broken. Another poor person is set free. And the amazing thing about this is that God is doing this through us. Christ is doing it through our confession of him. The words we speak in Christ's name and with Christ's love are the hammer blows that crush Satan's power. Let's take a look at our text for today, and you can look in the back of the bulletin or open your Bible, the Pew Bible, uh, Matthew chapter 16. You know, if we look at verses 13 through 16, and we see here uh, Peter, he gets it. He gets it right, maybe, um, but at the best, he's confused. Well, this becomes apparent later. You know, on this rock, Peter would storm the gates of hell. He makes a great confession. He gets it right. Jesus delights in his word of confession and even says he will build his church on it. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ will build his church on that confession. But if we keep reading in Matthew, and here's where your pew Bible will be handy, uh, Peter does not do so well with this. Because a few verses later, in verses 21 through 23, a few verses later, Jesus calls him Satan. All right, Jesus knows this is going to happen. He knows about Peter's weakness, but he still delights in Peter's confession. You got it, Peter. I'm going to build the church on that confession. You see, and Jesus knows all. He knows that soon Peter will try to steer him away from the cross. Right after this reading, we we see that Matthew starts uh, changing the narrative towards a journey towards Jerusalem. You know what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He's going to suffer. He's going to die on a cross. Three days later, he will rise um, from the dead. And Peter says, no, 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 that, that shouldn't be the way for you. Jesus rebukes him. And he knows that. He knows that Peter will try to steer him away from the cross to which he is leading, but that doesn't take away from the reality of his good words right now. Peter does get it right in this moment, and God delights in it. 
And even though Peter will later, he'll blow it far worse. Jesus will use him for huge things. We know the rest of Peter's story, right? He will deny Christ and weep bitter tears. As Jesus is tried, he will run away and leave his his friend to die. But that's hardly the end. Jesus tells the, the women to have Peter and the rest meet him in Galilee. And there he forgives Peter. And you can read about that beautiful restoration of Peter and his ministry in John chapter 21. Peter will go on to be a spirit-filled and bold witness to Jesus. And on the rock of his original confession that Jesus is the Christ and the Lord would build his kingdom and hell would have no defense against it. And on the same rock, we will storm hell's gates. Jesus delights in our confession too. We too make promises, a promise and a confession of Christ on the day of our baptism and confirmation. We got it right. We confess Jesus with the true and sturdy words of the Apostles' Creed. We did that again today. God loves to hear those promises. He delighted in our words that day, and he still does. And Jesus restores us when our lives deny our confession. Like Peter, we have not always lived up to those promises we made. And we have fled in embarrassment of being a Christian, the, you know, because perhaps the danger to our careers or our popularity. But like Peter, Jesus has sought us out and restored us, restored the broken relationship. And he's poured out his Holy Spirit on us. And then verses 18b through 19 we see that in doing this, he has empowered us to assault the very gates of hell. He has said, first of all, that when we forgive someone, God backs up those words. Sin has trapped our neighbors, and they are hell-bound in their sins, and they are bound by Satan's cruel chains. And we are empowered to break those chains. And secondly, the, the sweet words of forgiveness that we may speak in Christ, they're the very stuff of heaven. Hell must yield before them, and the prisoners of sin and death are set free. You know, I've brought this up a number of times over the past weeks, uh, this response to perhaps our observation that we see the church, maybe the Lutheran church, also in decline. And we might even have that defensive posture as a response and try to hunker down behind the, uh, you know, circle the wagons or hunker down behind the walls of our church here. But Jesus is not calling us here to hunker down. He's sending us out on a seek and liberate mission. We are on the offensive here. He gives us the office of the keys. That is the ability to forgive sins. The authoritative word to call something a sin. We do that in love, in Christian love. And to bind a person, and in the sense. In, in the exercise of this baptismal gift, we are assaulting the very gates of hell. When, when you forgive someone, 
You are snatching them from the prison of hell. Now, as I prepared for today, I anticipated three objections to this kind of seek out and liberate mission that Jesus calls us when we follow him. So I'd like to respond to those anticipated objections. Maybe one of these is yours. Uh, the first one is, the first objection would be, there be giants out there. The second one would be, I don't think I could take that kind of rejection. And the third one is, I don't think taking keys to a gunfight is a good idea. Okay, let's take a look at the first one. There be giants out there. You know, you might feel feeble before the problems of hate, bigotry, depravity, and greed, which infect your world. Now, this reminds me of David. Remember that David as a young stripling, but this is before he became a king. David, who, uh, who went to the line, the front lines of a battle between the, the people of God, the Israelites and the Philistines. And there's this huge champion of the Philistines. His name is Goliath. And David, who's just this young kid, doesn't have any armor on him. He goes out and says, who is this Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? So we might object to this Seek and liberate mission by saying, there be giants out there. Yes, there are. There are giants of hate, giants of bigotry, giants of depravity and greed, which in fact, you're in my world. And, and you find those things also in yourself. And you see them in the world and you don't know what to do, but Jesus does. He has given his life for this world and that means everything and there is not a problem we face which is bigger than his death and resurrection. You can be confident and bold. You can be confident and bold like, like David. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, you know, speaking to the, the giant, Goliath, you come with me in, with a spear and a sword, but I come in the name of the Lord. And David triumphed that day against the giant. We can too. The second objection might be, um, I don't think I could take that kind of rejection. Now, that's a quote from the theologian Rex, the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex toy from Toy Story, who, whose problem is afflicted by anxiety and he doesn't like conflict. Look at these short arms. I don't like conflict. And he says, one of his memorable quotes is, I don't think I could take that kind of rejection. You know, uh, you face a world which doesn't believe like you do. And many do not want the forgiveness of sins which you speak. You are a voice crying in the desert of a city which has closed its ears to what you have to say. Jesus opens hearts, though, and lives to his word and gospel. You are not responsible for that. Jesus calls you to be witnesses and nothing more. It was not flesh and blood that revealed this to Simon, but God above who opened his eyes to see and ears to hear just who Jesus is. So with the people in our, in our lives, Jesus is the one who makes this work. You don't have to do God's job, just your job. And the last objection might be, I don't think taking keys to a gunfight is a good idea. You know, 
you might be thinking here, uh, what can I do to make a difference? What can I actually do? Just saying something doesn't actually do anything, does it? But Jesus says it does. You are binding and loosing. That is the forgiveness. Those are the keys. Actualizes a heavenly reality. When you forgive someone, God himself backs up those words and makes that forgiveness real. Your words have power then, eternal, cosmic, life-altering power to save people. So those are those three objections. And I hope you'll find some encouragement in this reading um, to be bold. I would like you to take a look at the bulletin, and there is a uh, large thumbnail picture of, of a uh, mosaic. Okay. We have to remember in all of this that it is Christ who builds his church. Now, this we, we have heard him say this to Peter and his disciples today. Now, the image to the left is the Pantocrator, I probably mispronounced that, image from the Hagia Sophia in modern-day Istanbul. It's a mosaic uh, made up of thousands of small tiles. It is considered a, a Byzantine masterpiece of mosaic art. It is huge. It's meant for the enormous dome of that ancient church. For centuries, Hagia Sophia was the center of Christendom, even more so than St. Peter's in Rome. But as you can see, the image is damaged, and it is in Istanbul, a Muslim nation, and it has been so since the Turkish armies breached the walls of Constantinople in 1453. The current president of that troubled land uh, appealed to his conservative base and wanted to convert this magnificent old building, which was a museum, and then turn it back to a mosque. It was a museum, and then it was a Christian church, and then a museum, and then in July 2020, it reverted back to being a mosque. Now, it might seem like Christ is not a very good church builder to many people these days. It feels like Christendom is in retreat, but that view needs to be adjusted. The Jesus who stares at us from this fractured image is in fact building his church. It has never been about buildings and artwork. It has always been about people. His spirit continues to blow in the lives of folks around the world, in our community, and you have seen us blowing the leaves which are the lives of the people you love, and even in your own life, Christ builds his church. When we forgive someone, when we share Christ with them, the gates of hell are cracking open, and God, through our words and deeds, is snatching another life from the clutches of Satan, our foe. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the very word of God. This may be what Luther had in mind in a mighty fortress when he said that one little word can fell him. We smash the gates of hell whenever we put the words of Christ on our lips. We ply them to the lives of sinful and broken people. This is the priesthood of all believers. We have an authority from God to forgive sins. And the forgiveness we speak We are speaking with a divine authority. So please look at the image again, dear child of God. 
Remember in this, that it is Jesus who is building. In all of this that we've learned today, we've heard today, take to heart today, it is Jesus, and as we share that forgiveness with others, it is Jesus who is building the church here. It is Jesus' power which pervades our words, not ours. Just as Peter's confession, for all its um, rectitude, was really not his own. It was a revelation of God to him, not of flesh and blood. Likewise, our assault on the gates of hell does not derive its power because if we get it right or because of our will, but because we have a solemn promise from God here that what we bind is bound in heaven and what we loose is loosed in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, the 